Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship, or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe good morning everybody so it's friday today how do you feel the end of the week. I hope you made significant gains in your week. <clears throat> Hello, Ali in the room. Chris Shadows, Christopher Lolita, Rhonda in the Discord. It appears that whatever is going on with Clubhouse, we'll see. Maybe it's still going on. For some reason, <clears throat> on, and I said this, I think yesterday, on Wednesday, uh, for the first time, you know, normally what happens, we start the room and everyone in the startup club gets pinged. Um, people actually also, you know, I mean, so much about this is discoverability, right? Um, and and reminding, if you think about it, like what do we do in our lives? How do we plan our day? How do we decide what we do? Sometimes what we do is very much um, premeditated, scheduled, deliberate, and sometimes it's completely spontaneous. And in a way... You know, so I've just finished um, the second, what I would call live read and edit of my book, Oh, Forever Change. Rhonda has been uh, ever present. Last night was just uh, people that came in and out. I actually experimented yesterday with the, the Joseph or the Jaffe house, which apparently has just been created automatically now, you know, way to 
bring in your followers. And and I guess I had about uh, just under 5,000 followers. I never really seemed to gain followers through my whole time in uh, Clubhouse. But then again, I never tried to. You know, so there were all these people doing follow for follows. Maybe some people bought follows. But, you know, some of the numbers were just insane. 65,000, 122,000 millions of followers. I didn't know that those people were ever even on the app, but apparently they were. And so, anyway, I tried it last night, and uh, it wasn't, like, overwhelming. I mean, we had, like, maybe about the same number of people that are in the room now. Uh, but Rhonda was hanging out with me uh, the whole time, and and uh, and we finished the book. Um, so what I'm doing now is, it's a painstaking, <laughs> it's painstaking, is now that I've marked up the whole PDF, which was a very easy way to actually, you know, make uh, make edits, now I'm actually going into a Word document, and it's very, very slow. I'm up, but I'm at I'm up to page 141, so I will finish that today. It's things like you know, page 139, third paragraph, second line, punctuation, move comma, should read to sit still, be quiet. Right now it reads to sit comma still be quiet. So that was a mistake. So um, I feel like really, really relieved to be where I am now with the book. The intention is to have um, a paperback at least in hand, maybe 10, maybe 100, who knows. By the time I head to South Africa at the end of October, uh, it would be just so amazing to put this in the hands of my siblings and and the committee that's honoring my mom. But, you know, one of the things that I spoke about, and just by the way, uh, hello to Paul uh, Brobson, uh, to Ashia, to uh, to Bussy Tuggle, Tuggle, uh, Abdi S, let's see who else is here, Crystal uh, Ears or Ayers, Leaf is here, and of course our regulars, uh, Chris, uh, you've become regular, my friend, uh, Shadows Pub, uh, Christopher John Martins, the ever-present, this man is loyal to a fault, uh, and Rhonda Scott, uh, the ever-present in our Discord server, just hello to all of you uh, coming in. Um, I, I spoke about two concepts in the book, um, uh, both terms that I've uh, that or words that I've termed that I've coined. One is called social dipity, and the other one is called meta dipity. So social dipity is serendipity in a social world, and meta dipity. Well, you can imagine what that is. It's serendipity. What did I say? So it's serendipity in a social world, and meta dipity is so is serendipity in the metaverse. Um, it's this, this idea that says, you know, how many people, you know, uh, for example, like that are in here today, Moss or, or Ali or, or Illies, Il, uh, um, you're just, you know, you're, you're cruising the hallways or you're part of startup club. You're like, what is this room? Who is this guy? Is this interesting? You never know. I mean, you might just come in and out. I do that a lot. I don't give rooms enough of a chance. I don't give people enough of a chance because I'm, because I'm like I don't know. I'm just trying to find something like really meaty and meaningful. And it's very tough sometimes to, you know, we have like these attention spans like the size of a newt. Um, but you know, you never know. You could find a friendship. You could find a relationship. You could find, you know, um, you know, a, a business partner by just sticking around um, long enough. Um, I want to read, well, I'm not going to read to the end of the book um, because um, I just, um, I wanted to just, you know, talk about this concept, which is, you know, again, we need to like find a balance in our lives between the fixed and the variable, right? Between the scheduled and the spontaneous. It's just so important. 
Um, and I'm actually a big believer. I'm, I'm, incre- I'm becoming increasingly a bigger believer in the power of discipline, accountability, structure, um, but not structure that stifles or stymies, but structure that actually liberates, that actually gives us the guardrails and the guidelines that we need to operate freely, um, clearly, simply, um, unambiguously. You see, the, the issue sometimes is that the lack of structure, which so many people want, they don't want to be controlled, they don't want to be contained, they don't want to be told what to do. Um, but often what you end up with is chaos. You end up with just no consistency. You end up with an environment that isn't really conducive to, ironically, creativity needs some structure. You need some rules. You need rules of engagement. You need to know what you can do, what you can't do, what you might be able to do. You need to know which rules to follow, which rules to break, when you can make new rules, which rules to bend. You you need to be able to, the more you know, the more you're able to actually flex and um, I think reach your potential and maximize um, your capability, your ability, your potential. Um, so just a little bit of a, an initial segue. It is No Agenda Friday today. Um, and so what that means is that I have no agenda. I didn't come here with any agenda whatsoever, um, which means, you know, I typically will invite, um, what I will do is I will invite, um, well, you know, look, I'm not going to invite you if you don't want to be up. But if you do, if you have a topic, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you just want to riff on something that you've been thinking about, if you want to take the mic, this is your opportunity today on No Agenda Friday. This is going to change over time. Um, I just haven't had the ability and, and the um, the time yet. But eventually what I'm going to start to do is I'm going to start bringing in my guest from the show. So this, this week would have been uh, Damon Centola um, talking about um, change and and thinking about change and influence and influences almost like a contagion um, in many respects as well. Um, so I just didn't get a chance to do that, but I will. I will do that. I promise you. Um, and and so then Fridays. I also want to get a you know like it's it's a little um, it's a little disconcerting when the algorithm keeps moving or changing or whatever so i'm just you know i need consistency i need to know like i think i think out of fairness and respect to them you know once i've got once we're back to where we were before wednesday which is you know immediately we end up with 60 70 80 100 people in the room through startup club that that's when i feel comfortable to um bring in a guest my guest again and give them a little bit more um you know a little bit more airtime or a little bit more exposure as well and help them because I'm respectful of their time as well. So yeah, I don't know what's going on at the moment with respect to how rooms are forming and pinging. Um, I see a lot of people are just coming in and going out and whatever. Um, so we'll figure it out. You know, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably send um, Clubhouse a note and just say, Hey, this is what I've noticed. Um, is this intentional or not? Is there a fix or is this just the way it's going to be? And honestly, I don't care either way. Um, because I'm not going anywhere. Um, I mean, I've written the Collective Cafe into the book. Um, what I have done, just being very honest, is I've really downplayed the clubhouse. Um, you know, not I, I've, I've referred to it more historically, as in during the time of the pandemic, people would go toe-to-toe and debate in the social app clubhouse, in the unofficial app of COVID clubhouse. So I would refer to it historically, but I just don't have the confidence, if I'm being very honest, 
in terms of like that, you know, there's just been too much flux and instability and volatility of late for me to like feel really comfortable to, you know, put something and codify this into a book that could be around for decades upon decades. Um, now, on the flip side, putting the collective K into a uh, collective cafe into the book, that that is a that's a that's a bold statement. Um, it's a bold statement because it it shows intent. It says, you know what, um, I don't want to look like a like a fool in in a year's time when people are going, oh, I'm coming for the collective cafe. The book has sold a million copies. Now I'm coming for the collective cafe. But Joseph is nowhere to be seen. Joseph is nowhere to be found because he's on an island because life is good because he's retired now with all his royalties and and the thousand readers that get royalties from the book because it will be the world's first book where readers get royalties. They're also semi-retired as well. I mean, maybe not semi-retired. Um, yeah, I don't want that. Sometimes you've got to put intent down. Sometimes you've got to be able to put that stake in the ground and say, well, there's nothing I can do now. I play with lots of things in the book. I mean, I talk about <laughs> there's 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 a really nice line that I read last night, which is you can't burn a boat that you missed. I love that line. That is a, just such a great line. You can't burn a boat that you missed, right? So we always talk about burn the boats. Um, we always talk about this fact that you know you can't go back. You can only go forward. That's why you burn the boats. But what if you miss the boat? Right? What if you missed the boat and, and you got left behind? Um, so it's almost like this idea of the step before burning the boats is to is to not miss the boat. You know, so like it's um <clears throat> it part of it says like you gotta be in it to win it, right? If you're not in the game, you don't have any influence or control over the game. You're watching from the sidelines, you're just a spectator. So you've got to get in the game first and then figure out what you want to do. If you want to force the game, if you want to influence the game, if you want to give me the ball with seconds dying on the clock, let me take that shot, you know, put me in coach. Um, so I really kind of like that line too. Now I see Praxim is uh, in our Discord and he's raised his hand, but he should be able to come up anyway. So uh, Praxim, it's it's just you and me. Nobody wants to talk on a Friday but you and me. I don't want to talk. Happy Friday and good morning. I was just letting you finish your uh, stream of thought there before I uh, jumped up. My stream of diarrhea, of verbal diarrhea. Well, no, not at all. I was curious if you had a chance or had caught the article in The Atlantic about, <clears throat> I believe it was called Airlines Are Just Banks Now, and they talk about uh, frequent flyer miles. I, I didn't, but uh, I'm excited for you. you uh, put it in the cafe chat. I'm um, about to paste it there for you guys. So, second. So I, I don't know if it's paywalled or not, but the gist of the article boils down to is, you know, airlines got deregulated in the 70s, late 70s. And the idea was there'd be more competition and that they've become worse than they ever have been. And a lot has to do with, the miles, and there was this fascinating little quote in the article that the airline miles program, for, I believe it was United, um, quoting the article, uh, was worth more than the whole airline. And I, I find it ironic because the miles really have aspects of what cryptocurrency looks like. They can print tokens out of thin air. They can incentivize people, sell them for real dollars. 
They can get people to bank them for other benefits. They tie them to, air quote, value, right? Is there enough value in the Miles program? I was just in awe seeing the correlation to a cryptocurrency being created and raised for an incentive purpose uh, outside of the, like, creator community coins that we've talked about. I mean, this is more of your typical uh, alt meme coin, right? So, um, I... If we took a step back, right, when I wrote about universal currency in um, in in uh, Flip the Funnel in 2010, and I was basically talking about the fact that, that I believe that every brand would have its own currency. So Coca-Cola would have a ribbon, Nike would have a swoosh, uh, um, Starbucks would have a mermaid or a merman or a merperson, as I wrote in the book. Um, obviously, Starbucks is now doing stuff in, in Web3. Um, so a lot of that, some of it's coming true, but, um, but the essence of universal currency is currency can be bought, sold, exchanged, redeemed, held, um, you know, gifted. Um, and, and so that whole ecosystem, um, is, uh, I mean, there's precedent for it. American Express has American Express rewards. Uh, American Airlines has advantage miles. Uh, Marriott has points, um, and it's been interesting to see the, the, the lack of innovation, I think maybe to your point. Like we've seen some interesting things. Like I remember Delta um, would allow you to use your miles to actually bid on experiences. So I, I, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think I once you know used 90,000 Delta miles to go to a Knicks game and meet Carmelo Anthony with uh, with my son. Um, and love that idea because, of course, it's on brand for Delta because these are all travel destinations. You know, obviously for me, I'm in Connecticut, so I just had to take the train in or we drove in that day. Um, but if you were in, I don't know, even Buffalo, New York, and you wanted to just take a, take a flight, well, I mean, who are you going to fly? Probably Delta. Um, so... I loved those things, but I've, you know, the, it, it's it's funny because um, I have this love-hate relationship with American Airlines um, because I've flown almost 3 million miles with them. I've been executive platinum since 2006. I probably will lose my status this year for the first time, and they probably won't do anything. You know, I'll have to remind them. I'll have to say, by the way, go check my account. I've been executive platinum for this many years and this is the first year that I'm losing it, you know, probably and mainly, you know, due to, um, you know, my mom passing away and, uh, and, and, and different shifts, etc. cetera. Um, but I have these things called EVIP certificates. They are anytime upgrades. The only problem is that you can't upgrade anytime. It makes no sense. So right now, for example, I'm flying um, to South Africa to do this event for my mom, honoring my mom. And, uh, you know, just like six months ago, maybe nine months ago, for the first time, you can use your EVIP upgrades, your American upgrades on a British Airways flight for the first time on a One World Partner. But here's the catch. You can only go up one class. So if there's... 
if there's premium economy and you booked in economy, the best you can do is move to premium economy. With 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 American Airlines, you go from coach to to business. But here's the other problem. I'm on the wait list. I look online. I see maybe 32 out of 40 seats are available, but I'm on the wait list. Why? Why give that kind of dissonance to your to your customer that earned those EVIPs fair and square? Why would you not just say, listen, if there's a seat, you're in the seat, even if that means that seat is taken from a paying customer, even if it's taken from a paying customer, you earned it fair and square, you should be able to use it fair and square. I guess the point I'm getting at is when you think about the banking aspect of it, uh, Praxim, um, we are, there is a dollar value associated with each point. And, and in fact, you know, when I did work with American Airlines um, during my crayon days, uh, they paid us in, in, I think they gave us like, uh, I don't know what it was, like maybe it was, I'm making this up, but it was like 100 upgrade segments or something. Maybe it was 10 or, you know, maybe it was a million miles or something like that, but it had a dollar value on it. And you have to put it on your, you know, it, it's a balance sheet item. You know, you have to pay tax on it as well. So there is a there's absolutely a monetary value and an exchange rate um, and arbitrage and all of these things. the The crypto part is interesting to me. I mean, the, I guess the question always comes down to what is the best way to govern such a program, right? What is the best way to be able to interact and transact and exchange and redeem, etc. And um, you know, I mean. Crypto's, crypto has proven to be a very interesting one, although we're still worrying about things like liquidity pools and you know and uh, and all of the and bonding curves and and you know getting rugged and so on and so forth. So um, the other point so I'll make, I'll just make one more point and then hand it back to you is um, you know strategically one of the things that we've always done i mean for me as a marketer and as a, a, a strategist is always to say what business are you in and it's always great when you can have actually an airline say we're a bank or you know amazon say we're a customer service company or you know when you actually start to like expand the whole frame even if it's just conceptual or aspirational it does allow you to start thinking about new areas to explore to exploit to invest in to partner with etc so just wanted to add that as well but back to you well so so that's what the the gist of the article was is that deregulation in this case allowed the airline to become a bank airlines to become banks and because they entered directly into these point systems which have morphed into financial services so they're either directly or indirectly executing financial services and um, it, it was an unintended consequence that the article claims is much worse than the outcome. But, you know, my personal bias is um, there's a, a, there is a slight nuance between credit card points directly and indirectly through airline or hotel points or whoever's acting as the bank is that over my years, I've actually been meaningfully been able to redeem my uh, credit card points for something more valuable than my airline points, specifically airline points, hotel points, I got lucky once and I had enough to redeem for a nice uh, transaction. But it's uh, it's always been a shell game because, and they talk about this in the article, about that the valuation of those 
and redemption rates can be changed with pretty much a whim of the company. There's no because there's no regulation around it. They tomorrow they could say those points are worth a fifth of what they're worth today. And th- what was funny is that this article came out really timely. Um, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking about how airline points are really banks and all of the, you know, good insights of the article, which I think you had some insight to over the years. But my friend Lance, he's like, this year United changed their program and he's got 65 segments and he hasn't even earned gold yet because of how the points change. And so to my, my example of they can change the rules at any time, not only can they, they do and have. And the customer, the this the loyalty part of the program has just been thrown to the wayside. It seems. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's um, the the reality is is that uh, you know, in in a way, it, it, there's almost a very interesting parallel with Clubhouse. It's the constant changing, 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 but it never seems to be customer centric. It never seems to be in the favor of the customer, of the loyalist, of the fan, of the the frequent flyer or the frequent hauser or, or, or the heavy user on Clubhouse. It almost seems like just when we kind of get our noses out in front, we get cut off at the knees. So, And it just becomes more and more damn complicated. And they keep on saying, we're making it easier. I'm like, this doesn't seem easy. And now there's like, you've got to get three MCQs and two MCEs and one LPP. And wh- I, what? You know? And, um, and then, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is even if you take a slight step back, you know, what you realize is that, you know, we always try and beat the system. Like legitimately, legally, whatever you know. Like we're trying. We're de- you know we're 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 not cheating. We're not doing anything that that suffers from integrity. But we're trying to figure out the best way. Like you know, I'll give you a great example. Um, at the end of the year, what many executive platinum people used to do, because you know, again, I've been one for almost twenty years, is that you'd be like at you know, it used to be. God, was it a hundred thousand or maybe it was a hundred and twenty thousand? You see, it's just changed so many times. But let's just say it was a hundred thousand miles. So what would happen is people would be on like ninety four thousand, and they would literally get in a plane, you know, from New York, fly to LA, get off the plane, and get right back on the next plane and come back. And so they would do these little miles runs, as they were called. Yep, I and remember those. Now, now, I mean, that's it's not cheating. It's just figuring out how do we kind of win within the rules. Like it's very much consistent to what I was saying this morning about structure. Just tell me what I can do, what I can't do, what I might be able to do, and and, and I'll try and figure it out. Like for me personally, I look at it and I go, yeah, that makes no sense though. You know, like what you should, like the, the absolute one billion percent, the only way to actually run a program like this Delta does it. I don't know if they do it anymore. American has never done it. Um, I only really fly American. Is the concept of rollovers? It's the only way. You know, if I fly, if I'm meant to fly a hundred thousand miles to qualify, and in one year I fly two hundred thousand, then by definition, the, the next year I should, you know, even if I fly zero, I should requalify. But they, it just, you know. Can't figure that out because you know why? Because you know, to your point, they're operating at a bank as a bank. Well, and, and, they're, and they're writing stuff is, off, and they're you know, and they're like closing the year off, and they're like, well, too bad, you know, 
Well, and the incentive is not for you, the customer, even though that's what the program is for. It's the incentive is for them. Of course. And this is what I think the, the hidden story is here is that, you know, when, when these things get created, there's this um, novel and interest that it's customer focused, but quickly, and for many reasons, be it a bean counter or the bottom line or top line, it doesn't matter, is it becomes more valuable for the company uh, once they realize these mechanisms are really for them and not the customer. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's so funny because this really is just a conversation about customer centricity, retention, loyalty, influence. Um, you know, wh- where I like um, crypto in all of this is the presence of a smart contract can really, you know, quite frankly, it's like a, it's like a um, it's dumb executives need smart contracts, I guess is the, there's your quote, there's your money quote, Right. Dumb executives need smart contracts. The other thing that I that I picked up as well, which is like this great, um, thank you for doing that. Dumb execs need. I'm writing that in smart contracts. Um, there you go. Um, and I picked this up when I drew Austin on one of the Alpha Beta talks. Was that when we talk about you know um, uh, DAOs, uh, you know decentralized autonomous organizations or you know what what like i was mis miscategorizing a dao as just a place where people come to and vote so that's all it is it's just like oh it's a decentralized company where instead of you know one person or a ceo or whatever or the board it's everybody gets a vote but it's actually not that at all the autonomous part is is that the the business runs itself it's actually a, a degree of AI and automation and smart contracts actually govern the business. So the business runs by itself. It's autonomous. It actually runs independently of the people. And the people do go come in and vote, and that's a part of it, but it's not the part of it. It's, it's a part of it as well. So like... Oh. So yeah. I, I want to riff on that just quickly. The it. autonomous part to me isn't the business runs itself, but the process and structure is codified into the contract. Therefore, to change the contract, you have to go through the process to vote and make the change, and it's completely, well, let, let me backtrack the word completely, as transparent as possible where many businesses are not. Right, Many businesses are not transparent on what it takes to change a... Uh, 401k savings plan for the employee, right? It's not transparent on what the business can and can't do with uh, those things. But a DAO should be transparent because it should be in a contract and the contract's executable on the blockchain and visible and the members can vote on the change of that with whatever the government's rule, r- governance rules are put in place, super majority, super majority, whatever, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Um, that is absolutely true. So that's that's the point of the intersection, right? You vote on the changes to the smart contract. Otherwise, just you know, otherwise, just do your thing. Let the business run. It's funny because you know we we often say like we want to run. You know, the goal is to run the business, not let the business run you, right? But this is like, but this is an interesting build here. 
This is the idea of you run the business and the business doesn't run you. You run the business and then the business runs itself. So it's actually like an interesting, you know, um, so it, it's it, it's a good little hierarchy. You run the business and the business runs itself. So it's like you as a leader, as a manager, you know, you kind of brief the business and the business just does its stuff. It runs autonomously. You know, isn't that great? Like that's what we want. We like even as parents as we don't want to have to micromanage the business, right? And that, and and so you know, you can you can micromanage people, um, and I suppose you can also micromanage a business. You know, both are bad. Well, so this brings up two interesting points. I mean, I don't know how many times as a parent I've pointed out to my kids that you know that's a standing rule, right? I didn't know that was a rule. Of course, that's a standing rule. Maybe it's take your shoes off when you come in the house, right? It's it's not in a contract anywhere. It's not written down. The contract is verbal and in our collective memory, right? Second is I, I am a, a board member for a for a nonprofit, and what's interesting there is uh, there this comes up almost every meeting. Let's refer back to the rules because I'm not sure what insert procedural uh, guidance I I have and must uh, adhere to for you know, voting on something or is that allowed or not? So it's very interesting because the question is, is very straightforward things like, mm, um, you know, there's been boards and businesses and for as long as, you know, business has been named a business, right? But the question is, is how structured have they been? Are they informal or formal? And even formal or informal, how many of these rules were written down? Yeah. Because that's what they are, right? You're you're enforcing rules, and with enforced rules, they could be for pretty much anything in the business. Or, or in this, my example was a non for profit, but you get the idea. It's a it's a fascinating topic, and um, you know, it's a, another another thing that and it's so funny because you have all these people, like you know, the points partner, and um, that that actually have thriving businesses that actually help you figure out how to fly for free. It's unbelievable. Like, you know, like, I mean, I've got a guy who's people pay him thousands and thousands of dollars and he's going to actually help set up like this perfect, this amazing trip, like maybe this round the world trip for me um, where I basically pay nothing or fly first class, you know, where I can go to all the places I've wanted to go to. Like, you know, Iceland, Machu Picchu, the Galapagos, um, etc., and all flying like again, as I said, like first class. Um, but it's all based on using points, flying for free, you know, getting upgrades, etc. So I love this idea. I mean, and and again, it's like you know, one of the things I wrote in Flip the Funnel. This is a, a vital point. Which is we've got, first of all, most, okay, two points, really important points. Number one, most businesses, you know, I talk about strangers and prostitutes, right? A stranger is a first-time buyer. Someone who's, you know, like even if you look at Clubhouse now, just trying to bring first-time buyers or users or downloads. They don't know, they're uneducated, they have no loyalty, you know, but we focus so much on acquisition, on bringing the stranger in. And then the prostitute is, you know, I'm being obviously a little provocative, but the prostitute is a promiscuous buyer. 
They're a switcher. They, you know, they quite frankly, a lot of the creators here are like prostitutes because, you know, we jump from like from Clubhouse to to green room to Twitter spaces, to back to Clubhouse, back to Twitter spaces. Like we're just going to wherever the best offer comes our way. Um, and it's not really our fault in this case. It's the fact that we haven't been given a reason. We haven't been treated, you know, with the, you know, with a certain level of respect, or, or this idea of it's like, you know, what you, you, you live by the sword, you die, die, die by the sword. So we're all focused on acquisition as opposed to retention. But we also have retention horribly wrong. Now, I won't tell you which brand I worked with, but I did a large consulting project with one of the largest wireless providers, telcos, whatever, in this country, in probably the world, but certainly in this country. And and this is insane. Like 90% of their revenue comes from repeat return, returning recurring business. We're talking about people with a contract, right? You have a cell phone contract, with a cell phone provider, you are not an acquisition, you know, especially if you've renewed it. Once you're paying more than month to month, you are now in the retention bucket, okay? So in this particular case, in this particular case, you've got 90% of your returning recurring revenue and only 5% of basically their entire marketing funds went towards that bucket. It's insane. Can you imagine investing 5 percent of your marketing dollars against keeping upgrading upselling cross-selling elevating you know rewarding um your your most valuable customers and and the other thing is we've got the whole retention and tenure thing all wrong like we're just looking at how much money people spend but we're not looking at how long they've been with us we're not looking at at referrals. We're not looking at how many other ways they've been valuable to us or could be valuable to us in the future. And because of that, you know, business just doesn't have a clue in terms of how to really, really redeem and and reward. And so like even going back to like these, um, you know, these, these points partners out there, they're the people that are gamifying. There are the people that are figuring out all the loopholes and the challenges. And look, I don't even have a problem with companies knowingly, you know, with Easter eggs. And I like the idea. I like the idea that, I mean, first of all, we're giving a new breed of of, of entrepreneur an opportunity to be a consultant, to be a coach, to actually help you find these deals. It's the same reason why we have a travel agent. So, if, if, if travel agents, if there's a need for a travel agent, for someone to pick and choose and manually curate and, you know, and apply a personal touch, well, then to have these points partners, um, absolutely, you know, to fa- figure out how to beat the bank, it makes total, it makes total sense. And as I said, I kind of even like the idea of the airlines knowing that there are these loopholes and allowing people to find them and exploit them. But at the same time, we should always, and this is a key point, we should always make it easy for people to do business with us. It's as simple as that. The harder we make it to do business with us, the harder it will be to do business with us. Simple. It's really simple. Make it really easy. That's why when we discussed the other day, Apple. Apple makes it really, really easy to do business with. Really easy. I am going into the Apple store today to pick up my new iPhone 15 Pro. It like literally go to the app, 
got an email saying eligible for an upgrade, or I don't even know if I did that. Maybe I just went to the Apple store or whatever. I just clicked on a button. I just did it, chose how many, you know, as how many megabytes, gigabytes, tegabytes, whatever the hell, a color, you know, kind of, you know, went through the little uh, credit thing and chose when I wanted to pick up the phone or have it delivered to me. Um, that I wanted a trade-in kit, you know, picked a time at the store. It was just within minutes, seconds, and it's all just done. And I think to myself, you know, I happen to have my phone with Apple. My family are with Verizon. We're all with Verizon now, but um, but um, we switched from AT&T because we got free phones. We were promiscuous. Um, but my family have the deal with the Veri- with Verizon directly, so the store. But like, honestly, I wouldn't have a damn clue how to do it with Verizon. Do I go to a website? Could I do it in the app? It, it's so so corporate. You know, um, is there a phone number that I would call? You know, I'm probably just going to go into the store. Maybe that's what they want because it's just too... And, and when you go into the Verizon store, it's a nightmare. You sit there for like literally hours. And they're making phone calls. They're calling the toll-free number, sitting on hold with their own toll-free number while you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Make it easy for people to do business with you. And guess what? They'll do business with you. Yeah, I I have an exact story that matches that. Many years ago, we were in the upgrade cycle, and our local retailer Target was the one that had the best deal. And it was the best deal by mile so we went and executed the order and they literally so it was my my spouse and myself we replaced two phones uh i had replaced mine like a week earlier and i finally convinced her that she should replace hers and they made a mistake and broke my phone that i replaced a week earlier it took me six hours to fix and they just didn't care Target didn't care, and it, the carrier was AT&T. I mean, they, they sat with me. They did the, the work, but they just didn't care that of all the uh, first-world problem, pain and suffering they caused. They just didn't care. Yeah, and, and, uh, and look, when you start getting into the even the question of caring and not caring, um, it is... I mean, I even wrote this again into the book, which is how do you know when someone loves what they do? It's basically how they treat their customers. It's really quite simple. Um, it it opens up a, a whole new discussion and a whole new can of worms associated with, with incentive schemes. And, um, you know, there is a, a thing that when we, when we train, um, when we train EOS now, um, we talk about a Harris poll is that a Gallup poll no it's a Harris poll and what they found is I'm sure Christopher and Bez will correct me on this one I think what they found is uh, a third of employees this is amongst thousands of business businesses a third of employees um, don't know what their roles are aren't clear about what their roles are um, in the company um, roughly half of them, no, one in five don't care. Um, or, or how I think it's, and then I think it's roughly half don't understand how their contribution or their roles affect the company itself or something like that. So you've got like, I guess it's one in three are not clear exactly what, what their role is and what, what's expected of them. 
one in five don't care and one in two don't actually know how their role and contribution affects the larger company. I think that's right. And just to be clear, what does that mean? They, you know, they don't know what their roles are. It's like, you know, you come in and you do certain tasks, but you're not really sure kind of like what your, you know, like, like what you, what you're meant to be doing, like a bigger picture, I guess, or, or like how you fit into the bigger picture. It's just more like, yeah, I come in and, uh, a clock in at nine and, you know, are going three sales calls. I guess it's more like tactical driven or execution driven as opposed to structure driven, if that makes sense. So is it any wonder that like at the rock face, um, you have all these, these massive disconnects? No, it's no wonder. So what it also does is it really opens up the the potential and the possibility for challenges for entrepreneurs, for new businesses, for startups um, to actually differentiate themselves based on customer experience, based on customer centricity. These are things that I've been talking about now for 15 years, right? Customer centricity is not new. I guess what is new, if we want to just go really back and connect the dots is, is can we, utilize universal currency uh, can we utilize this kind of banking opportunity can we utilize can we use chris uh, chris can we use crypto to actually create and power loyalty and advocacy that's the real issue i mean that's exactly what we're seeing with starbucks now and and nike and some of the early adopters no one's really kind of cracked the code yet but eventually it should be quite easy like it should be going back to the airline business. I mean, okay, I'll take a huge step back. One of the things that um, back in the day when when Foursquare was all the rage, when like Foursquare was kind of then what Clubhouse was, not anymore, but like maybe a year ago, two years ago, um, I was obsessed with being the mayor of everything. You know, like I would like literally sometimes just like when I'd go back and visit my mom, I'd be just like, I, I was the mayor of my primary school, my, my my elementary school that was just around the corner. I was the the mayor of the, the local cafe around the corner. I was just like, it was like the I just, I, I wanted to become the mayor of airports and, you know, and it was just like a game in a sense. And I would like, you know, cheat as often as I could, you know, like, but, but like, for example, like I was determined with all my travel when I'd arrive at, at JFK, I would, you know, check into the Admiral, the flagship Admirals Club. And, and then when I got back on the same, I would check in again. Like I would do it as often as I could. You know, generally it was proximity driven. So I couldn't just check into JFK if I was like in South Africa. But what they never did and what they could have done and what they should have done. And if they had done it, you'd probably see Foursquare today worth as much money as, you know, billions of dollars, I might add, billions and billions of dollars, um, is the fact that, you know, like American airlines would come and say, if you are the mayor of the, so I would be the mayor of certain flights. I would be the mayor of AA 101 to, you know, coming back from London um, because I flew it so often and I was also an early adopter. So if you legitimately were the mayor, right, Imagine American Airlines saying, if you are the mayor of the flight, we will give you a complimentary upgrade because you're the mayor. I mean, you should treat your mayor well. Now, 
I mean, can you imagine how powerful that would have been? Especially, especially if you could verify and validate that. Not just based on proximity, but actually based on patronage. Like if I am legitimately the person who flies on AA101 the most, I should be treated like the mayor. You know, quite frankly, I might fly on AA101 more than the actual pilot does. Because they're on different airlines the whole time, or different flights, I should say. So, you know, now if you want to gamify that, or not gamify, but just put some fun into it. Can you imagine sitting down and you hear, you know, the, the captain going, uh, we want to uh, welcome uh, the mayor of AA101, Mr. Joseph Chaffee, in seat 26G. Joseph, please make your way up to first class. You've been upgraded to 2A. It's the least we can do for our mayor. People are like, what the hell is that? What the hell? I want to be the mayor. How do I become the mayor? You know, Joseph gets up. He takes his bags. Everyone's looking. He's like, he's the mayor? What does that mean? That's one way to grow the app, by the way. Huge opportunities. And to be honest with you, you know, the only way today that I think you can actually employ or deploy that kind of system is through the blockchain. With a POAP, with the ability to actually say, mint your boarding pass. By the way, I would put the odds of this actually becoming a thing at 100%. 100%. Someone will do it soon. Someone will take my idea that they heard from me or via me because I've been saying this for a while and do it. It's just the way it is. Which makes me always think, Praxin, why the hell am I not doing it? Why? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I should go do it. Do you want to do it with me? <laughs> Excellent. Huh? What did Excellent you conversation today. Yeah. I'm telling you. Thanks to you. This is the power of actually raising your hand. And you I know, just want my uh, half to... of a percent. Of what? Transaction. Well, I haven't done the damn thing yet. So, like, what do you want? <laughs> so do I. I'll take a half a percent. I, I just want to be the fractional owner and make my cut of the cut. <clears throat> I mean, on, on, honestly, if, if we really want to push boundaries, like I, you know, if I want to make another prediction, my prediction would be that we're going to see fractional owners of humans. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, like, like, I mean, like of a, of a livelihood. So that's another thing I've been talking about for a long time. You know, so for example, like, why wouldn't I sell? By the way, there is absolutely precedent. I, I have been thinking of this. I've been thinking about selling 10% of, of my future earnings to a bunch of investors. And it turns out that it's been done before. And you would never believe who did it. Do you know who did it? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying. Well, to, he has the link. Uh, well, well, I just watched the 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 documentary about Air Jordans. Mm -hmm. I was going to say so. Athletes, right? Nope. They're trading their futures to companies for a certain percentage, right? Bowie bonds. David Bowie. Yeah. A Bowie bond was an asset-backed security which used the revenue from albums recorded by musician David Bowie as collateral. Fascinating. 
I haven't read this properly, but I was told, because when I was telling someone about my thinking about doing this for me, they're like, you know, it's been done before. I'm like, what? How? Who? And they said, David Bowie. And of course, you know, who else? That's innovation. You don't just to be an you don't just get to be an innovative original singer and not be an innovative original person. Yeah, I think my my example of Air Jordan, Michael Jordan, is more of the future bet, right? So that Bowie had a established uh, asset base of music or whatever his catalog. Uh, Michael Jordan just had a couple of years of experience, right? Um, so very interesting that this, this stuff does and can happen. I know it's crazy. So I just want to say hello to uh, uh, to Anton and uh, Anton Savinsky and uh, Joseph, Paul, Dante, Sammy, uh, Ahmed, um, Chris. We um, I just sent a note quickly to Clubhouse just saying, hey, like, what's going on with the room again? Um, but not, you know, not like gratuitously and all angry and whatever, but just saying, um, you know, what's happening. It's actually quite, uh, uh, so I'm saying hi to all of you. By the way, I wouldn't mind actually trying to figure out, like, um, if you just came in the room, um, hello, Justin, um, how did you even see this room? How did you find this room? Did you get pinged in? Did you um, did you just see it in the in your general hallway? Did you go through Startup Club? Um, it's kind of interesting because as of like Tuesday and earlier, um, we would um, we would basically st- I would start the room and there'd be like I don't know there'd be basically about five hundred people that would come in and out over the course of an hour, and so now it seems like it's kind of like dropped off again. And um, I mean, I guess I guess the point is that now they've like returned followers and everything like that. So um, they seem to be like downplaying, I guess. I don't know what they're doing. It's it's all confusing. It's all Greek to me, Praxim. So, well, it's I, for sure, uh, it has no transparency on what's going on. Yeah. Again, changing rules without notification. Right. Right. I mean, it's not on, it's not in the contract. It's not in the a social contract, I guess. Maybe. Social con- well, it's, it's more than the social contract in this case. It's the app has made a tacit contract with its users, user base, and it's not telling you how it changed um, on the, you know, maybe if it was a legal thing they had to publish, like a EULA, maybe they'll tell you. But in this case, there's some algo algorithm that changed in, you might be being A-B tested. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and you know, the, the funny thing, just to come full circle, is that it actually ends up being like akin to like an abusive relationship um, in the sense that what happens is you get treated badly and then you're like, you know, you're like, you're just hoping that, and then, and then they throw you a bone and then everyone's like, you know. Ooh, a bone. Exactly. You know, you've changed. It's going to be better, but it never is. Um, it never is. And it's kind of sad. Um, so I don't know. We'll see, you know. What I was going to say is it's very uh, it's very liberating for me just to say, hey, I'm here and like, and I'm good. I'm not going anywhere. You know, it's been unbelievable for me in terms of, you know, structure again, in terms of, you know, being able to show up every day for myself, for others, um, in terms of creating unbelievable content, 
um, that I've been able to really repurpose and, and build on top of. It actually was a huge, huge source of intelligence as well as I continue to write the book. Um, and, uh, and, and I've met, made some new friends and met some new people, you know, like Rhonda, for example. So it's been terrific. Um, and, and I think that's what happens is when you can actually liberate yourself from all the uh, trimmings and trapping. Like uh, probably, I don't know, a year ago maybe or four years ago, whatever, I would have sent like a nostogram to Clubhouse or I would have gone on a rant or I would have like, you know, fire and brimstone. Now I'm like, listen, I just sent an email. I'm like, hey, like not sure if you're aware of this. If this is, if you are and this is the new normal, fine. Just let me know. And if it is an issue and you're planning to address it, that would be awesome too. But I'm just letting you know, FYI. So we'll see. But, but, but as I wrote in the book, instead of us worrying about who isn't in the room, why don't we focus on who is in the room? And that's what happens. That's how everything changes. You know, that's where we focus on, you know, on Vanessa, uh, Ferguson and Bez and Christopher and Shadows and Rhonda and, of course, you, Praxim, and Paul and Dante and etc. This is what happens is you just say, look, you know, we forget often if this were a real room um, and we were all actually trying to have a real conversation there's a certain number of people after which we wouldn't really be having a conversation. Today, you know, it could be just you and me sitting on a stage and a bunch of people in the audience, right? Um, or we could just be sitting around a, a large dinner table and just happens that two people are talking more more than more so than others, in fact, all the time. Um, but we've just got to, like, readjust, I feel, our our perspective in terms of what are we really doing here? You know, when Paul uh, said he just wants to get more people talking to more people, I'm like, okay, but that's really not, that's really, I don't think the goal here. I don't think the goal is just, hey, everybody, talk, 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 talk. I think it's speak when you have something to say. You know, contribute when you have something to contribute. And if you do have something to contribute and something to say, then I think it gets really interesting because now we want to take away all the obstacles, impediments, you know, we want to give you your voice. We want to amplify your voice. We want to turn the funnel into a megaphone for your voice. If your voice is compelling, if you deserve, if you, you know, if, if you have a beautiful thing to say, if you're a beautiful person with something beautiful to say, what we don't want to do is get you drowned out or, you know, sent to the goo or, you know, all this kind of stuff. We don't want that. That's not a real conversation. Um, so it's going to be interesting. So I don't know that the objective is, hey, everybody, let's all talk. One of the things that I noticed, Rhonda saw it yesterday, is that when I opened up my room, um, I guess everyone is just automatically on stage. And uh, so there's no moderation. There's no moderation anymore. So I'm not sure if that's the goal either. Just, hey, everybody, just, you know, let's just free for all. I mean, there are times that will be nice. Like, for example, if we were having a town hall. But even so, moderation has value. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, all I do know, I will not be here on Monday morning, by the way, because it is uh, Yom Kippur. So I will not be here on Monday for sure. Um, so Christopher, Shadows, Bez, you know, um, Praxim, if any of you want to run the session, we will do that in Discord. So discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. So... Um, there will be nothing in Clubhouse on Monday. But if you do want to connect with one of our regulars, 
um, just come into um, into discord.gg for slash alpha collective eight to nine Monday morning and just look for the collective cafe channel and we will play out with our song. Thank you, Praxim. Yeah, thank you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.